0: Is coming back as he said, and the Bible tells us to pray, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, is how the book of Revelation ends. And what I want us to do this morning is examine that very subject the, the uh, promise of Christ's return. We believe in the pre millennial, pre tribulational. Return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that it could happen at any moment. We have no uh, idea. Someone said, "Well, all the prophecy is being fulfilled," and and uh, yes, the Bible tells us that uh, we are to uh, pay attention to the quote-unquote signs of the times that that uh, we do not, we can see all of the things in prophecy coming together, things that were just not understood even 50 years ago are very clearly plain and uh, in uh, the light of the scripture, of course, the scriptures always said what it says. Uh, The scripture hasn't changed, but our understanding has. Uh, One of the examples I love to give is, in the book of Revelation, it says that the two witnesses of of, of um, God that are in the city of Jerusalem will be killed, and all the world will see their dead bodies for three days. Now, imagine reading those verses in 1900, before there was radio, when the only means of communication was the little dee d dot dot of the telegraph wires. How in the world could that happen? But uh, I think somebody's working on a... Well, uh, you have Google Glass. Are you, can you watch TV on Google Glass? I mean, uh, the whole idea is you have your iPad, your iPhone, you can touch anywhere in the world and see a signal. Do you think God knew what he was seeing when the Holy Spirit told John to put those words down? Yes, he did. Technology does not... Frightened God. He already knew all about it. And so as we look at God's word and the promise of his return, I want you to remember one thing. There is no prophecy that needs to be fulfilled before Jesus returns. He could come before the end of this service. How many of you remember the campaign last year? The world's going to end May 21st. I think that was the date. Uh, Mr. Camping has been wrong uh, before, and, and he was wrong again, and he will always be wrong. You say, why are you so upset about Mr. Camping? Because he has deceived so many people into thinking he's teaching the word of God when he's only teaching the perturbed machinations of a troubled soul. You have to stick with the words. You have to stick with what's written down. And Jesus is coming. And we've been uh, around this in many of our studies. We're going to start in John chapter 14. I want us to start there because this is where Jesus tells the disciples. He says... Let not your heart be troubled. Now, I'll tell you what, there's an awful lot to be troubled about in this world. I hope if you are here today and you are saved, I hope and I pray that you're praying for the elections on Tuesday, uh, that you're praying for this city. Uh, does God have to have cooperation with politicians to do his will? Absolutely not. But we need to pray. I believe one of the problems is many Christians have just given up. No, the Bible says, let not your heart be troubled. You go, you vote, but my focus isn't on City Hall, praise God. Or on Congress, my hope is not in Obamacare. My hope is in the fact that God cares. Amen. (laughs) Uh, He'll do a little better job than the government. Am I in the right building this morning? Maybe we have some people expecting to get better care from Obamacare than from God. If you are, uh, sign up. Uh, We have counseling here to help people through things like that. Amen? Uh, I'm not just trying to be critical Uh, I'm, I'm trying to be realistic. If your hope and faith is in something else than this book, you are in deep trouble, my friend. But if your hope and faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, don't allow the circumstances of this life to take your attention away from Jesus. That's what he says here. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am... There ye may be also. Now on Thursday nights, we're going through uh, what we've called the last night discourses. And we've been through this passage uh, in depth. And we're not going to take time to, to go over that ground again. But just to simply say this morning that Jesus promised the disciples that he was going away. He was not talking about the cross because that was only for three days. He was talking about his ascension into heaven that he's been gone for nearly 2,000 years. He said, I'm going to send you the comforter, the Holy Spirit of God, who's going to continue the work that I did in your lives while I was here. But I want you to understand something. I'm coming back. And he said, in verse 4, And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Now the disciples, they didn't get that. He says, I just told you where I'm going. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to my father's house. And he said, the way you know. If you know John 14, 6, say it with me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Amen? Jesus is the way. He said, I'm going, I'm coming back to get you, and I'm going to take you to be with me. But I'm not telling you when. I'm just telling you, follow me. How many times have we missed the blessings that God has for us in simple obedience to his word while we waste our time worrying about what is going to go on in the world scene? Hello? Do we have any other news junkies out there? I mean, you just got to keep track of what's going on in the world. I want to turn the radio on in the morning and and make sure that uh, the world hasn't ended while I was sleeping last night, right? No, not going to happen. My faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is where my heart is. You see, I want you to read some verses here with me at the very end of this chapter. Look down to verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus promised to return so that we would not have to be subject to the circumstances in which we live. So that we would not have to live in fear and doubt and wondering. So, I was thinking about it as I was preparing to, to uh, preach a sermon this morning. I was just going over some things and I said, you know, every time the world talks about Jesus coming back, it's all about fear. And yet, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. And yet, if you're to read uh, oh, uh, the Left Behind series, it's all full of fear. How many of you remember the old movie in the 70s, The Thief in the Night? All full of fear. Hey, let me tell you, there's something wrong with that understanding of Jesus coming back. Jesus said, I'm giving you my peace and I'm coming back and that thought and that promise is supposed to be the pillar that you stay the sanity of your mind that makes the fears go away. But if I read somebody's book or watch somebody's stupid movie about it, it fills me full of fear could I challenge you today that maybe their theology is not near as good as their entertainment? When is the last time you saw a movie that helped you understand what really went on? When is the last time Hollywood made a movie that was based on truth? Anybody know of anything? If you do, see me afterward. Some JFK. All that filthy piece of trash had so little truth in it that it's not even... There's there's nothing real. It's all made up. Mel Gibson got, what was that, three and a half hours out of a Bible text that would take five minutes to put on the screen well it's very obvious he was using other than the Bible to get what he got it's not going to help you understand about Jesus if you want to understand what went on on the cross read the Bible It would be kind of hard to have a black screen for three hours, but that's what really happened on the cross. God put out the lights for three hours, and the only thing that could be heard was Jesus speaking and and the crowd mumbling. That wouldn't make for very good entertainment, now would it? And it angers me that he gives 30 seconds to the resurrection of Jesus Christ with a near pornographic picture of the actor I'll tell you what, that garbage has nothing to do with the promise of his return and the peace that he wants us to have in our heart. Don't look beyond your Bible to find God's answers. They're not there. They are here. And Jesus said, I have given you my peace. I'm going to give it to you. Just like I've gone, I'm coming back. You can bank on that. You don't have to be afraid. It's a command here. Just like he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a command, my friend. If you don't obey that command, you're not going to heaven. Once you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the next command is let not your heart be troubled. Because when your heart is troubled, what you're doing is you're taking your attention off of Jesus Christ and putting it on something else. When is the last time your worry solved any problems? Maybe I should ask it this way. When's the last time your worry solved half the problems it created? Hello? I mean, you got to think about it. Our worry, our troubling of our heart does not solve any problems. And yet, if we were to examine our lives, how much time and effort is wasted with a troubled heart when Jesus told us we weren't supposed to have one. You want the fear to go away? You need to believe and remember that Jesus is coming back for you. Now, if you're here today and you're not saved, uh, you don't have that assurance. But you can get it. It's very simple. It's believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and not anything else. Amen? It is Putting your faith in Christ, not in a church, not in a baptistry, not in things that you can do, but what he has done. Let not your heart be troubled, because Jesus is coming back. I read the last chapter. How many of you like reading history? I mean, real, real events that really happened. Uh, I picked up a free copy of the memoirs of Ulysses S. Grant the other day. been reading through it in a little few bits and pieces in spare time here. I'll tell you what, he gives a very different perspective than what you get out of the modern history books. Now the only difference was General Grant was there. He was the guy ordering the troops to go into battle. It's an amazing thing. And in his memoirs he keeps he keeps repeating the point that if we had only known how discouraged and how confused the enemy was at this point, we could have ended the war here. If we had only known how disconcerted they were and how weak they were at this point, we could have taken this city without a fight instead of having to lay siege to it for six months. Now, as a human being, you can't know these things until after it happens. But Jesus already knows. Amen? Do you get the point here? The illustration is as a human being, we miss so many things. We always worry about the wrong things and let the important things go untouched. That is human nature. But I want to challenge you, if you believe in Jesus Christ and put your heart and your faith and your trust in him, he knows. He's already written the last chapter. He will give you the direction that you need to get through those struggles the first time instead of the third or fourth. If I were to ask the question, I'll well, let you say, how many of you could use more peace in your life? Am I the only one? How many would like some more peace in their life? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to have? Here's how you get it. You have to understand that Jesus is coming back. How does that work when my kid's screaming? Hey, I've got a duty to do to raise my child, but that's only temporary. Jesus is coming back. How do I deal with it when our economy and our government's falling apart? Hey, I'm not going to run around playing the blame game. It's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault. i got to live. So do you. But Jesus is coming back, so I'd better be doing what he wants me to do instead of worrying about what they're doing. If they really wanted you to help them, they would have asked for it. (laughs) Isn't that true? I mean, stop and think about it. If they can target a missile and send it 12 or 1400 miles and have it land in just about 10 square yards, don't you think they could get a website right if they wanted to? Uh, They could. That's why my faith isn't out there, that's why it's in Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, if I were to ask you a question, how many of you had a troubled heart this past week? Every hand would go up because you worried about things, you were concerned about things, there were things that happened that you didn't know. Oh, we had some tears this morning in the Montoro household because Philip put too much flour in the potatoes two weeks ago. Now what in the world that had to do with, I finally got a hold of him. and I said, son, I said, she said I wasted the flower. I said, so what? It's not important. If it really were important, we'd have dealt with it a long time ago. But before we get upset about Philip and laugh, we need to hold the mirror up because we do the same thing all the time. Now I've spent too much time here, but I want you to get a hold. Jesus is coming back. I have no right to be troubled and to be fearful and to be living a life that is controlled by the circumstances that go on around me because of his promise that he's returning Amen. But it gets better. Let's turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, if you don't know where Thessalonians is, get to the book of Romans, First, Second Corinthians, and keep heading back. If you get to Timothy, you got too far. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And this is another famous passage. In fact, many times if I have a funeral to preach, I I love to preach funerals out of this passage here because there's, there's something in here that we need. And we're going to start reading in verse 13. It says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep or have died, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I want to challenge you that you can be without fear. You can be without a troubled heart and still not be comfortable. You see, the promise of the Lord Jesus Christ coming is to be a comfort to us. Now, how many of you like to be comfortable? I mean, that's important in America. We're one of the few places in the world where the average person can be comfortable, can exercise. You can choose the kind of food that you really want to eat and you can choose the kind of bed that you want to sleep on and the kind of vehicle that you want to drive. And I mean, you stop and think about what we do for our comfort. It used to be... You got a cup of coffee. Now it's, do you want custom brewed? Do you want it on the clover? Do you want a pour over? Uh, French press. I mean, how many different ways are there to make coffee today? And, And my favorite is iced coffee. Because you got to get the water really hot to make the coffee, and then you got to make it cold without watering down the coffee. Because watery iced coffee is miserable. We do all of that just so we can be comfortable. And if you're not a real coffee drinker, you can go and you can get one of those, what do they call those, frappuccino or something? It's got a little essence of coffee mixed in it, just so it'll taste good. And then all the other things that they put in there uh, to, to make it so that you can taste the coffee and enjoy it. Um, but the Bible says that these verses and the promises of Jesus' coming is to comfort me. Tell you what, you drink a cup of coffee and it's all gone. Good beds get bad. Listen. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning them which are asleep. Funerals are sad times. But you know something, whenever I'm at a funeral of a person who was saved, it's not goodbye, it's till we meet again, because Jesus is coming back. You see, he not only saves me for this life, he saves me in the life to come. The greatest part of Christianity, the most hope that we have, is not confined to this short time in which we live. It's about eternity. And we spend so much time and effort trying to be comfortable in this short time. I wonder how comfortable we're going to be in eternity if we're not careful. That's what this passage is talking about here. You see, Jesus saved the Apostle Paul. And when the Apostle Paul died, as far as we know, at the hands of the government of the Roman Empire, that ended his earthly ministry. But I'll see him again because of this promise here. These are Paul's words. And Paul said, we... Which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them that are dead in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Now I've been criticized in some books on the subject will criticize those that believe that Paul said we which are alive and remain. You know what? We includes me. Paul expected to be alive when Jesus came back. Didn't happen. But if Paul expected to be alive when Jesus came back, I want to ask you a question. How much closer is it today? Amen. So that's a childish approach to the scripture. Well, Jesus said, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall in no wise inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, I'll qualify. Amen. The simple truth is Jesus promised he was coming back. He told me I'm not to let my heart be troubled. I'm not to be afraid by the things that go on. They were about to witness the torture and the death of Jesus Christ. But he would raise again from the dead. Let not your heart be troubled. But there's another step that God wants you to take based upon his return. He wants us to be comforted concerning those that have passed on before us. Listen. Jesus saved them in life. He will save them through death. Amen. He has saved you in life. If He calls, He will bring you through the valley of the shadow of death. We do not need to be afraid. What we need to do is to be comforted. Amen? To rest. To let God's peace do its full and complete work in our lives to the fact that we're Not only not worried, but we have a presence of mind to think and to be used by God in the way that he should choose. That's what's being spoken of here. Not to be all wrapped up and worried and careful and and concerned about all of these things. Because Jesus is coming back. And the worst thing that we can talk about in this human life is death. But guess what? That just puts you in front of the line when Jesus comes back. Amen? Because he's going to bring them the dead in Christ shall be raised first. And then we'll be together with the Lord. It says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, Comfort one another with these words. I want you to turn with me to one more passage, First Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58 is a verse that we quote often. It's one that you should memorize if you don't. We have a Uh, It's even been put to music and we sing it in our Sunday school time. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not vain in the Lord. I have Christ's promise of peace. John chapter 14, amen? Amen. I see Christ's power to save, not only in this life, but in the life to come in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But I also have Christ's command to serve him till he comes. This is a command. It's, therefore, my beloved brethren, Paul is saying, listen, because of these things, you need to be steadfast. That means planted unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Jesus said even a cup of cold water would be rewarded if it was given in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is the therefore? Well, let's just back up a few verses. Verse 50, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it's the promise of his coming that gives us the victory. I've often tried to help and deal with people say, Well, well, Pastor, I'm saved and I'm trying to serve God, and I still I, I, I still sin. And my first phrase is usually, welcome to the human race. Amen? There's no promise in the Bible that says, once you're saved, you're never going to sin. But don't go out and try. Amen? Don't use it for an excuse to work on sinning more. There are some people that says, oh, sin, the grace is greater than the sin, so the more sin, the greater the grace. Wrong The Bible tells us that we're to be abounding in the work of the Lord. You see, we live in troubled times. If we're not careful, we'll allow our hearts to be troubled. But you've got to get past that troubled heart so you can have a comforted heart. Then you can do the work of the Lord. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, it's more blessed to give than to receive? Most of us really don't believe that because we like to receive. Isn't that true? Why is it more blessed to give than to receive? It's very simple. Because if you're going to give, you have to have something to give. Amen? Many of us cannot give because there's nothing left over. There is nothing to give. They lived in a subsistence economy, my friend, in this day and time. If you had clothes to put on your body and food to eat for the day you were considered middle class. We would call that poverty today. If you had changeable raiment and you had a closet full of clothes, maybe two or three different clothes to wear and, and you had a house to live in and and you didn't have to work every day just so you could have food to eat that day, you were considered rich in the day when these pages were written. I'll tell you something. God wants to make us rich in his mercy. So we have something to give to the world in which we live. That's why he wants to bless us. You know what the world is looking for? It's looking for love, is it not? But let me tell you something. If you're too busy loving yourself or trying to be loved, you don't have any love to give anybody else. But if you can rest... In the love of Jesus Christ and what He's done for us on the cross. Guess what? You can tap into His love and pass it on to everybody. Guess what? Then you have something to give. Amen? That's what it's talking about here when it says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. It means that I got something to give. How many of you have ever run out of yourself? Doesn't take too long now, does it? You know what's really tough? I believe one of the most difficult tasks a human being has ever tried to do is to be patient with somebody who can't do something that you do very well. You ever tried to be around somebody? And you do something well, and they can't do it, and you're trying to teach them. All that will tax you. Now, have you ever thought about what the Lord puts up with from us? Because you know what? He lived a perfectly sinless life. I challenge you, if you were honest, none of us have even gotten through a sinless day. And yet he still loves me. And he's coming back to get me. And he knows who and what I am. And he says that this sinful flesh is not going to inherit the kingdom of God. That's why he's going to change me. That's why he's coming back to get me. It says we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We're not all going to die, but everybody's going to be changed. We're going to be different when we get over there. This mortal must put on immortality. This corruptible must put on incorruption. I'm not trying to be gross here today, but just think about this for a moment. If you don't take a bath for a couple of days, guess what? You're going to smell the corruption of your body. It stinks. Not going to be that way in heaven, my friend. We are reminded every day if we'll open our eyes to our own corruptibleness. And sometimes we get the looking at our failures instead of looking at the Savior. And that's what he wants us to do. This corruptible is going to put on incorruption. This mortal is going to be clothed with immortality. When that happens, it's going to be death is going to be swallowed up in victory. Death will never knock at heaven's door. Amen? In fact, death and hell are the last two inhabitants of the lake of fire in Revelation chapter 20. Now here's what Jesus is saying here. Through the Apostle Paul, he says the strength of death, uh, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. You see, one we sin, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the wages of sin is what? Death. How many sins does it take to go to hell? One. You say, but that's not fair. Uh, wait a minute. You didn't make the rules. God didn't elect you as the umpire. You see, sin is non-topical to those that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, there is no person that has ever lived that needs to go to hell. I'm so glad I'm not a Calvinist, that God preordained certain people to go to hell and others to go to heaven, and you were one of the bingo winners. Your number came up on the right side. You get to go to heaven. Uh, Now, they don't talk about it that way, but that's practically what they believe. I call it foolishness. The simple truth of the matter is, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You have to make a choice. If you believe in the coming Lord, He'll save your soul and take away your troubled heart. Oh, you can get it back. That's why He commanded you, let not your heart be troubled, amen. It's something that you have to do, but more importantly that, if I'll understand the salvation of Jesus and learn about it, I'll learn that He not only saved me in this life, He saved me in the life to come. That gives me comfort, amen. But that comfort... Is a launching pad, my friend. That comfort is the foundation for which I, from which I am to step forward and be steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord because Jesus is coming back and my agenda is not important, but his is. My understanding of circumstance is not important, but his is the list of things that I have that I need to do is not important. But his list is. And then he says, he'll reward me for my service for him, which was only accomplished by what he gave me. Now that doesn't make sense but I sure do like it. And that's the motivation for our life. Jesus is coming back. Let not your heart be troubled. Christ's promise of peace. Amen. I would not have you ignorant, therefore, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. You see, it's Christ's promise, it's Christ's power to save through death, that we can be comforted instead of full of sorrow. But it's His command that we're supposed to get up and serve Him to be abounding in the work of the Lord. You see, if I am abounding in the work of the Lord, I'm not worried about all the plotters and planners, the economy, Congress, the president, all those people that are going to take care of me. I'm not worried about that because Jesus can do a better job. And all God's people said, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and Lord, I just ask that you would help us to... Take our eyes off ourselves and off circumstances and off of everything that is about us. Put them back on you where they belong. Lord, I ask that during this time of invitation, we would not withhold from you what is justly and rightly your due. Lord, I ask that you would be with those that may be here this morning that do not know Jesus as their Savior. That today would be the day they would surrender to Jesus and only believe in Him. Be born again, the Bible way. Lord, I pray for those that are saved and yet have not yet submitted to church membership, to baptism. Lord, that you would work in their hearts, that they would surrender today to you. Lord, I pray for those that are saved and are struggling serving you in this life, that we would listen to the commands that you have given, and we would stop allowing our hearts to be troubled, to remember that you're coming back for us, To be comforted. And Lord, to always abound in the work of the Lord. Lord, we ask that you would give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Franz, come lead us in the hymn of invitation. If God has spoken to your heart, there's an altar here where you can come and pray. If you're not sure about your salvation, we won't hunt you down. All you have to do is ask and we'll have somebody take the Bible and show you how you could know your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home. As we sing, will you join these that have already come?